Welcome back to Locked On Gators, your daily podcast for Florida Gators coverage. I'm your host, Zach Goodall. Make sure to throw me a follow on Twitter at Zach underscore Goodall, as well as my co-host, Demetrius Harvey. You can find him at Demetrius82. Demetrius, say what's up to the people. How's it going, everybody? Another week of fantastic football that we just experienced on Saturday, and I can't wait for you guys to hear our takes on everything. Yeah, we got a lot to talk about with uh, the offensive firepower that is the SEC. And with that, as Demetrius has said so far, he's been pretty disappointed with the league he's had to cover compared to the expectations he had coming in. Expecting a lot of defense. He and his favorite coach of all time, Lane Kiffin, uh, are both in that boat. So we'll be talking a lot more about that later. Uh, We're going to be talking about... The Gators versus Texas A&M game. I know it's a little bit behind us, but we're still going to be reviewing it here on the pod. We're recording this on Sunday uh, for Monday's early morning episode. You'll be getting this in your inboxes and listening as you're on your way to work on Monday morning. Or you could be working one way or another. Uh, But we're going to be going over exactly what we saw out of the Gators defense, which, you know, certainly was not a good showing. It was another 500-yard game uh allowed defensively it's the second time they've done that this year and every time florida went and scored points they seem to just give them right back up so we're going to be breaking down what we saw there we're going to be talking about the gators offense and the expectations they've set for themselves there and why they're admirable but they just don't really add up that well and the third part will be dan mullen's outlandish comments about packing the swamp in the middle of a pandemic that'll be in the third segment i'm sure you've read about it we'll be talking about it a little bit more demetrius let's go ahead and get into the defense what was the worst thing you saw out of this unit because we don't really need to give too many details i think everyone knows it was just a bad showing but what was the worst thing you saw from this unit on saturday okay okay zach first of all I need to get something off my chest to quote the great Stephen A. Smith, one of the best sports personalities I've ever been able to watch or listen to. I've been hoodwinked, bamboozled, led astray, and run amok and flat out deceived this season. The SEC is supposed to be a defensive conference with some offensive firepower at times. Alabama defense, LSU defense, Florida Gators defense, all of these defenses are supposed to be good. And yet here we are. We're just, me and Lane Kiffin are just like, what's going on? You know, you you bring in a guy like Mike Leach, and it seems as though he just like talked to every single defense and said, hey, man, we have to be able to score, so you guys got to take it easy. And yet here we are, just the Gators are giving up 500 yards, the – LSU just doesn't look right. It it, it doesn't make sense to me. So it I just is, want to get. It, it is pretty funny though that Mike Leach is struggling to score. I was about to say that, and it seems like Mike Leach just like gave everybody else his offense over the past couple weeks, at least. You know, the first week he had a great great day, and here we are. I I, I I'm just completely flabbergasted at the defensive performances we've seen specifically for the Gators. And then obviously for the entire sec, it's just been terrible. I I, I understand that they didn't get to tackle very much this spring. Yeah. But that's not an excuse three games in anymore. It's just not, 
That's what I'm saying. So, like, it, it, it doesn't make sense now. You're three games in. It, it, it doesn't matter. These guys have played football. Specifically for the Gators, they've already – most of these guys have been playing for two to three years at least already. It's not like they're all freshmen. This shouldn't matter at all. They should be in positions. They shouldn't be confused. It, it's as if they've never played, and, I, and I have, I'm just confused on what's going on. Dan Mullen yeah, talked about uh, the changes. The worst thing I saw – that the 12 and 15 conversions, and, and I think you you have some you have some uh, stuff to say about that, right, Zach? Yeah, just what we saw in coverage on third downs, especially where they would consistently run off man. Uh, I, I've only gotten through the first half of my rewatch. I'm watching it in depth to kind of break down what the personnel usage is for Florida uh, on their defensive front to see exactly what type of pressure they're creating. But I have seen a ton of off coverages on third downs. And on crucial downs and just in situations that Texas A&M exploited, they had a ton of space to work with when you got corners lining up at least seven yards off the line of scrimmage. Marco Wilson lining up and just allowing slants to go inside, post routes to go inside all day long. And they're constantly a step behind because they're not able to get in stride with those receivers. They're breaking late on the ball. And, you know, for Todd Grantham being a guy that's known for – playing aggressive and having his corners go up and they press a ton. I mean, they've recruited a ton of long corners to come and press. I mean, Kyer Elam is kind of like the marquee number one corner that they've recruited so far since taken over here in the past couple of years. And the dude is immensely long and he's set the tone for what they want out of their cornerbacks, long press corners. But where's the press? It's not happening at all this year. They're not using it. They've abandoned it. And I think as we've seen so far, it's come back to bite them. Yeah, it, it really has. And the thing is, Marco Wilson in the slot, I'm not sure if, if, if it was the press comfort or the, the off coverage or just him not being able to keep up. But Caleb Chapman, nine receptions, right. 152 yards and two touchdowns. Now, no disrespect to, to Caleb Chapman. He's obviously a very special player. He's He's a, he's a good player. He's tall. Um, he's he has athleticism. No disrespect to him at all. But going into the into the game, we know about Weidemeyer. We know about Lane. We know about Aeneas Smith. We know about Spiller, the running back too. But Caleb Chapman is the guy who dominated the game for Texas A and M on Saturday. And you you just can't let a guy like him or even anybody just go in and dominate straight up dominate you on defense, especially when you're a veteran like Marco Wilson or a veteran play caller and aggressive play caller like Todd Grantham. If you're going to have a defense like the Gators have, you have to be able to stop those plays. And I'm just not sure exactly what they can do to fix it. It's the middle of the field, just not holding up. And it's, it's just, uh, it's, it's confusing. Dan Mullen said they're going to reevaluate and look into changing some things quickly. We are, Anticipating that Kyrie Campbell, you know, maybe he'll be back at some point, but we cannot hold them to their word when they say everyone will be available. Same thing with Chris Bogle. He ended up not playing. Uh, last second was named unavailable and inactive for the game. So another blow to their defensive line depth. Uh, but regardless, whether these guys are available or not, they've got to make changes as to their calls. They've got to realize that they can play their freshmen and get away with it this year considering the blanket waiver that everyone's getting it's almost like a free year like you've got to go in and make some changes Demetrius what's a change that you want to see 
Well, I mean, I do want to see Kyrie Campbell return to the defensive front because I do feel like it will be able to change up a little bit on what they can do. They'll have more depth. They'll be able to play more of that 3-4 look. They'll be able to use him as the traditional nose and what they want to do. But at the same time, I don't think that Kyrie Campbell is going to come in and just be dominant and completely change the defense. I don't think one man is going to be able to. I believe it was Edgar Thompson who said on Twitter the other day, you know, Kyrie Campbell's going to have to come in and be mean Joe Green. And he's not wrong. He would have to come in and be mean Joe Green for this defense to change so dramatically to where we're talking about how dominant they are on a Saturday. At this point, I don't expect the Gators defense to be good at all this season. And we'll get into the offense in a little bit, but I just cannot imagine there's going to be a time where, okay, they settled down now and we're, they're just going to keep on rolling. It's going to come down to the offense ultimately. And I'm not exactly sure what changes you can make to make this defense great. I have one recommendation. I've got a lot more that I'm going to get into as I write the story and talk more about it during the week, but they need to get five guys consistently at the line of scrimmage because that's the only time they seem to have any sustained success, whether it's pressure in the quarterback or in run defense. Three got three down defensive linemen, two rush ends. You got five there. Maybe you don't play with a star. Maybe you just run a little bit more man coverage. Whatever you do, you need to get a little bit more beef there, one way or another, to affect the passer and affect the run. When we come back, we are going to be talking about the Gators' offense and you know what we've seen out of the unit so far. What we've seen out of them in a loss. What they can build upon and more. You know, I've been trying to get back in the gym recently but I just couldn't figure out what to do after. Sure, I can just make a protein shake, but that's annoying. It doesn't always taste good and it can be time consuming. That's why I've started to eat Build Bars right after my workout. Not only do they taste amazing, but they are incredibly healthy with 19 grams of protein in the peanut butter flavor. I can't go wrong. Now I'm not a keto guy myself, but it's a low calorie, low sugar profile that makes it easier for any of you out there that are. Right now, you can go to buildbar.com and use the promo code locked on and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use the promo code locked on for 20% off at buildbar.com. Now, obviously it doesn't matter what month it is, but far too many people have lost loved ones who have suffered from breast cancer. This month for Breast Cancer Awareness Month, Buildbar is partnering with four wonderful organizations this month to bring awareness and help those who need it including Barbells for Boobs, Breast Cancer Angels, Huntsman Cancer Institute, and Living Beyond Breast Cancer. If you purchase the wonderfully flavored Strawberry Build Bar, you'll get 12% off your next order through October 12th, and Build will match your donations for up to $50 per order. Florida scored on 75% of their drives against Texas A&M, and they lost. That's just kind of a mind-blowing stat. They beat Ole Miss converting uh, or scoring on 81% of their drives. I don't have the exact number. I believe it was around 57% against South Carolina. And we saw some issues. Dan Mullen blamed Kyle Trask for some turnovers and turnover-worthy plays after the South Carolina game, even though clearly the issue was the defense. And, you know, maybe he can point to that with the Malik Davis fumble on the last offensive drive for Florida here. But otherwise, you just cannot say that about an offense that's scoring as efficiently as Florida is no you really can't and I completely reject the idea that the Malik Davis fumble is somehow the ultimate sign of why they lost that's not the, that's not the case at all they should have never been in a position where Malik Davis fumbling on the last drive that they had of the of the day 
is the deciding factor. No, it should be fully blamed on the defense. But for now, we're talking about the offense. And I will say that Kyle Trask looked great, again, for the third consecutive week. He had, you know, 23 completions out of 32 attempts, 312 yards, four touchdowns. He took just one sack, and he had no turnovers, I believe. So Kyle Trask is yet again playing out of his mind, in my opinion, just from based on what I've seen from him last year and then going into this year. It's, it's been great. And, and I think that there's been other offensive weapons that have been able to shine this season that maybe last year they didn't get that many opportunities. Maybe they were injured. Um, can you think of a guy, Zach? Well, I mean, I'll tell you what. He compl- he hit eight different receivers again this week. Nine the week before, 11 the week before that. So it's still getting spread around. And it's incredible. I mean, we saw Kyle Pitts become kind of a non-factor after the start. They reported that he went out with a left foot injury on ESPN. Uh We'll see exactly what happens there. We're going to talk to Dan Mullen this week, and if it's a serious injury, Mullen will give us an update. If it's not, then we'll be left in the dark. Uh, but regardless, we saw that without P- Pitts, they were still able to, for the most part, do fine. They didn't score as efficiently in the second half as they did in the first half, but we saw without Pitts, suddenly C- Kadarius Tony had a career day setting a career high in receptions, yards, and touchdowns. Yeah, he's been the guy for them, besides Kyle Pitts, of course, who is the guy for any offense in the SEC, maybe in the nation this year. But seven receptions, 92 yards, and two touchdowns, he looked phenomenal. I mean, like plain and simple, he looked great. Uh, he was able to get deep. He was he was able to get open deep on a 37-yard reception, which I believe might have been one of Kyle Trask's best throws this season. I know it's kind of a routine throw, but it just landed right in the breadbasket, and that's what you want to see. So if they can just continue getting a guy like Kadarius Tony open, just get him in space some, using him as a, a running back some, just using him in a variety of ways, it suddenly makes the Gators offense just that much more explosive, that much more dangerous. And I think that that's something that they need to lean on moving forward. And um, especially if you have a guy like Kyle Pitts, who's not going to always be there, you know. We're not sure exactly on what the foot problem was that ESPN said in the second half of the game, but we'll find out tomorrow with Dan Mullen. But you have to be able to have a guy or several guys, which I I believe they do have, uh, come in and and just right the ship and just keep going without pits in there. Yeah, and you know who I would like to see a little bit more from? Even though he's averaging over 16 yards per attempt, I'd like to see a little bit more out of Trayvon Grimes. I mean, he's only had eight receptions. Now, granted, they're for 134 yards and a touchdown. He's had some big plays. But, like, the 30-yard reception against Old Miss, he was totally wide open when Emory Jones hit him. And that's just one example, but that was a huge chunk play. And I feel like, even though Kadarius Tony's done a great job, like considering how much they're spreading the ball around, you do want to see more from a guy like him who had such high expectations coming into the year. Yeah, he he, he seemed he seemed to be the guy coming into the year. Him him and Jacob Jacob Copeland, I, you can't forget about him. But um, Grimes for sure. You, you you want to see more big play ability from him, and I don't necessarily think it's all his fault. I do believe that they're running him in a little bit shorter routes, you know, hitches, kind of screen game, a little bit of out routes. I don't necessarily think that they're just running him deep every play. Uh, If so, Trask isn't hitting him deep or he's not getting open. And so I think without Pitts, if if they have to go away from Pitts a little bit, maybe he's a little banged up or maybe he's not. Maybe they just want to 
figure out other ways to get players the football besides, you know, the one guy, then maybe we'll start to see a little bit of a bigger game plan for Trayvon Grimes. I mean, he's a big, big play receiver, like you said. Kyle Trask talked after the game saying that he wanted to see the offense score on every drive. Something that Dan Mullen was kind of alluding to last week after South Carolina, mentioning that Kyle Trask had the two turnover-worthy plays and that, you know, they just wanted to see better execution out of the offense when the issue truly seemed to be the defense. You know, Trask can say these things and they're honorable, but at the end of the day, like, you just you can't have such crazy high expectations for the offense. Yeah, you, you really can't. And, and the thing is, obviously, Trask is kind of just saying, like, you know, we want to score every drive, but that shouldn't have to be the mindset. It, it really shouldn't. Not in the SEC, not even in football in general. There's going to be three and outs. There's going to be a couple turnovers. There's going to be mistakes. If you have to play mistake-free football on offense to win – then you're gonna you're not going to the playoffs. I'll tell you that right now. Mm-hmm. You're definitely not going to the playoffs, and you're probably not even getting into the SEC title. Now this year it's gonna be a little bit different because everybody has to play each other pretty much, and you know there's gonna be a couple two win teams that are gonna be buying or two lost teams. I, I should say sorry that are gonna be buying for that last SEC East or SEC West spot to play in that game. But it's it's not going to work out. You're not going to get into the playoffs or you're not going to win the playoffs if you have to score on every single drive. So I think that the defense needs to be the focus from not only the coaches, but the, the players as well. You have to be able to figure out ways that maybe you play a little bit poorly on offense and the defense has to step it up. I think James Houston said that they expect to stop the, the stop the opposing team from scoring. Of course. I mean, that's just a normal thing. But I just can't see a, a point in saying that every single drive you have to score a touchdown when the defense is playing so poorly. It's just not going to work. Dan Mullen thinks that the Gators could have a little bit of uh, extra help this week. Uh, if the university administration ends up following the word of Governor Ron DeSantis, when we come back, we're going to be talking a little bit more about Dan Mullen's comments what the governor did end up passing into law, sort of, kind of, this past week, and how it all affects the Gators moving forward. ESPN reports that Texas A&M had 24,000 people in the stands this past weekend. And I'll tell you what, it really didn't look like that on TV. It didn't look like that in the clips that reporters at the game shared on Twitter. It looked like there was a lot more. Dan Mullen thinks there was a lot more. He said as much after the game that there was a big crowd. It didn't seem like there was an empty seat behind their section. Uh, and that, at the end of the day, that was a huge factor for Texas A&M, giving them a little bit of extra energy. Therefore, he expects the university to follow the word of Governor Ron DeSantis, who moved Florida into Phase 3 following the coronavirus pandemic, which we are still in the middle of. I love how people try and act like we're out of it and we're moving past it. We are still in a pandemic. Mullen would like 90,000 people in the swamp this upcoming week to give the Gators the same advantage that the Aggies had. It's just another excuse for the loss. It's an unacceptable excuse. He can't be saying stuff like that in general. I mean, that's just not something you suggest in a position of power like his. But also, like, are we really going to buy that excuse as a whole for this football team? 
Yeah, you know what, Zach? I think I think Dan Mullen is right, actually, because um, the, obviously the 30-plus thousand or, or, you know, whatever amount of uh, fans that were in the stands, they, they really, you know, they brought it when the Gators were on defense. They just brought it, and, you know, obviously, typically fans are very loud, you know, at home when the opposing team is on defense. That's how it works. Oh, wait, it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. Dan Mullen acts as if, this crowd advantage that Texas A&M supposedly had really made that much of an impact so much so that even the defense was rattled by the Aggies fans. But I mean, it, it, it just doesn't make sense to me. So it, I get what he's saying and that he wants a home field advantage. He wants the crowd to be pumped up. But as you said, Zach, it, we're in the middle of a pandemic. There's, there's safety precautions for a reason. Even the, Florida president came out today and said, you know, we're still going to follow the precautions that we've set in place. UF health is going to follow the precautions. We're going to follow the CDC guidelines. And that's going to be that. I I, I just packing the swamp with 90,000 people. Isn't going to bring your defense back somehow. That's just not the, that's not their issues this year. And I think Dan knows that. And I think it was just a little bit of frustrations on his part right after the game. And I'm sure he's going to say something about it today. But it, it it just wasn't a good look, and, and you can't sandwich excuses with the actual issue, which was the defense yesterday. How big of an issue could it be if we go week after week, wins or losses, like if excuses like that start to pile up? I mean, it, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting what they actually say for, as these excuses. I. I are they going to run out of excuses? You know, the water boy didn't get, you know, the right water today or they didn't get their, their Wheaties. I, I, I just don't get what else you can say. It, it's, it's literally what he was saying earlier and that they need to make some personnel changes. They might need to make some changes in terms of how they're coaching the players. Those are the issues. And those are the things that need to be focused on, not fans at the stadium. And another thing the Gators had 17,000 tickets available for their home opener. I believe they sold around 14,000. So they are they going to 15,000 even... people in the stands when it was all said and done? Sure, 15,000, doesn't matter. Point is they they didn't sell out. So are we expecting when it does open or if it does open to 90,000 that it's just going to be packed? Why wasn't it packed at 17? It 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 just doesn't make sense to me and and, and it never will. Um, I, I believe that uh, Dan Mullen will end up walking it back a little bit, even though he had a few opportunities to do so after the game. And I think it was just irresponsible for him to say it and perhaps just based out of frustration and, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, we absolutely will. We're expecting him to say something about that in his press conference. Uh, truthfully, I'm a little bit surprised he hasn't said something already, but as you said, University of Florida president has gone ahead and clarified that they're going to follow CDC guidelines here. So we'll see how it all plays out. We'll be updating you throughout the week uh, as we get these quotes, as we get more updates from the team about any possible changes on defense and what's happening moving forward as Florida prepares to take on LSU at home. As we get ready for that game and to preview it throughout the week, make sure to check us out here at the Lockdown Gators podcast by subscribing leaving ratings, reviews, letting us know what you think of the show, listening to this podcast on just about any podcast streaming service you can find. For our written work, find us over at allgators.com, Sports Illustrated's Florida Gators website. Demetrius and I are pumping out the content over there. 
every day along with our staff. And you can follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Gators, at Demetrius82, and Zach underscore Goodall. We'll catch up with you guys next time.